Welcome to another episode of the Overflow Podcast. My name is Ian Warner. I'm the community pastor here at Cottage Grove Church in Des Moines, Iowa. And today I got my man Boo Bree on. I've been chasing this man down for months trying to get him on it. And I, 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 fi- I finally uh, got him on it. Um, so thanks for hopping on, man. Yep, yep. No problem, no problem. Hey, he's not lying. It's, it's hard to get a hold of me sometimes. Yep, it's hard to get a hold of this man. He don't text back. He don't call back. He comes late. You know, it's hard to get him. But I got him. Praise God. We're out here. Um, but I always started off by just, you know, affirming the guests, letting them know why I even asked him to be on. You've been faithfully serving at Cottage Grove. Like, it feels like from the jump. Like, I feel like when I first came, I remember seeing you. And you have just served faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. You've been in ministries in all different areas. You've You've shown up and done outreach, and then you just have stuff you just do on your own, and you're always uh, inviting your, your your people to come to church and to be a part of things when they're in town. I know a lot of them, just because your age, they're going to school, different places and whatnot sometimes. And uh, but yeah, you're you're always inviting people in and just being like a, a good loyal friend. So um, yeah, I just I, I appreciate that, and um, yeah, just love love what you're what you're doing and what God is doing through you. Praise God, man. Praise God. It's only through Him, man. Yeah. So, okay, I think you're someone at Cottage Grove that a lot of people know of. They know your name. They know, like, mm-hmm. I know I've seen that dude, but it's like a lot of people don't know your story. So just talk a little bit about, like, where you coming from? What's good? Who is Boop? How did you come to love Jesus the way you do? All right, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you look at me, you probably know that I'm not, uh yeah. That I'm African, but uh, yeah, so I'm Sudanese, South Sudanese. Um, so my story is my my family came to the States um, in the mid-90s, had me and my sister in Vegas, uh, and then parents separated. My mom moved to Iowa, uh, and she had family here, so we just kind of just hung out. Um, yeah, got to see a lot of family here. Uh, but it was through like my cousins, um, how I came to have exposure to the gospel. Um, and so, yeah, just as a kid, like we would go to like a Catholic church and Lutheran church. Um, and so like, that's kind of where my church experience began. Um, I don't think I, I vividly like remember the gospel in those places, but like, I just like, just exposed to church, um, and then when I was eight years old, we we were living in Marshalltown at that time, and uh, a bunch of old white people came to my neighborhood uh, with this white bus and picked us up, took us to Sunday uh, Sunday school, and then in the summers they would take us to like VBS, and that's where I vividly like remember um, when I was like eight years old, like dude, like there is sin, like I have sin, and um, yeah, I do bad things that God doesn't like. And what would it look like if I placed my faith in Jesus? And so mm. eight years old, placed my faith in Jesus. And then, um, yeah, kind of just moved on from there. And one thing that I notice about my story is, like, I feel like it's consistently, like, a lot of old people in my life um, have been, yeah, just pushing me towards the gospel. So, like, then again, when I was in, uh, seventh and eighth grade, like more old people were in my lives, like teaching me what it means to actually like live out the gospel. Um, and then like high school years and came around and I, 
I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but uh, I wasn't living like how I should be. Um, and I don't think I was like doing anything wild, but I mean, still like living in my sin, still living against God. Um, and then graduated high school, um, moved, took, took some years off of college, moved up north, um, worked at this, uh, yeah, this factory and I was there for a while and it was all right. Um, but like my spiritual growth was like zero, um, had a relationship that wasn't great for me, wasn't great for her. Um, and I was like, dude, like, I don't like the place I'm at. I don't like this relationship. So I dropped the relationship, dropped the job, uh, moved to Des Moines, um, and then got plugged in with Cottage Grove and Salt Company. Um, my first year, like, I did not go to Salt Company at all. Um, I didn't want anything to do with it. I'm like, dude, my life has consistently been like old people. So I'm going to chill with old people and see how it goes. But um, I saw growth in that still. Uh, and then my second year got plugged into Salt Company. Um, and I think that's where I saw just like God just working a ton of my life. Um, teaching me what it really means to 100% put, put my faith in Jesus. And um, yeah, no matter no matter like the circumstance, like I can still hold on to to him. And yeah, and then fast forward where I am today. And uh, talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're new on staff here at Cottage Grove. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. So your boy is working for a salt company, um, Des Moines. So, yeah, it's it's been a fun experience. Like, I I got to experience Des Moines Salt Company as a student going to DMACC um, and had a lot of friends at DMACC and Grandview and, and Drake. And so now I get to basically do what I did as a student leader, but like discipling the guys at Drake and Grandview and DMAC. And um, so it's been, yeah, it's been a fun experience, but it's also been one of those things like I never really expected to, yeah, to be in this position, you know, mm-hmm. come full circle from not wanting anything to do with salt to, yep. to being a part of it. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Um, okay. So what do you think it is that, Man, yeah, you talk about just, you know, older people having an impact in your life. And mm-hmm. and I'm guessing coming with that is like mature Christians as well. Um, yeah, just talk a little bit about the just the beauty in that. Because I, I think, you know, one thing that happens in churches is people want to hang around people like themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So people want to get in a connection group. And they're like, man, I want, like, I'm 20. I want to be with a bunch of 20-year-olds who, like, get everything that I'm going through. But there also is a beauty of getting outside of what you're used to being around because people can just speak into your life in a different way. So I'm just interested to hear how that's been for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly that. Um, people who have lived with Christ for like 20 plus years, like there is a different kind of wisdom that they have. Um, but they have a firm faith. Um, you don't, and without being in their shoes, but you don't follow Christ for that long uh, by your own merit. Like there's a lot of like Jesus, like this is all you um, and you're totally worth it. So a lot of like me, like my desire to, to seek out like older Christians to learn from uh, 
is out of desire to like, dude, I want, I want that kind of faith. I want to be like them. And, um, I want to follow Jesus that hard when I'm like 40, 50, 60 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. Good man. So, okay. What, you know, you've always been someone that has just always had a heart for community engagement mm-hmm. and, and not even really just even through the church, just in general. Like, I think you just start doing it on your own. Um, just talk a little bit about just the, the calling that you think God's put on your heart and, and why that is. Yeah. Uh, I think in combination with like, just kind of the, um, yeah, just with the way I grew up, being able to, man, see people of all different uh, races, colors, um, ethnicity, ages, like being able to see them and uh, like just interact with them has been a blessing in my life. Um, and so I think that's like what what initially just like now, just like I want to see them like come to know who Christ is. Um, I want to see them like truly live for him. And I mean, that's just kind of how it is. Like, yeah. So, okay. So why do you think that it is that churches end up becoming so inward focused then? Like, because I, like when I hear you saying that, I'm just like, that just sounds like the Bible. That's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> that just sounds like what we do. Like you, we, yeah, we, we come to church on Sunday. We meet as the body. We, we get fed the word. We worship God. We praise his name. We, that's what we do. But then we go mm-hmm. and that's just, that's just what it is. But it, it's not that simple. Right. And like, what do you think sometimes that, that disconnect is, or is there, or, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe just isn't, isn't the case and that is how churches are? Yeah. I, and no shade, but I mean, I really think there's a disconnect. Um, and not like all across the board, but I think collectively, if the church like actually wants to, I mean, see it grow, um, besides like the their their initial friend group, um, we need to go out and actually do the work that Christ is calling us to do. Um, I mean, you think of James, like he he is a guy who was for for the the marginalized. Um, James one twenty seven religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to um, meet the orphans and the widows where they're at, um, and I think if we're doing that, like we're gonna see the church grow because uh, those are the people who are hurting the most. Um, and so I think where the disconnect is with the church, like just having a heart for for the nations, and um, I think that just comes with showing the vision, like sharing the vision with them and like how beautiful it actually is. Um, and then I think people like see, see some growth and like see some, see a desire to go out and actually do that. Like, I don't think people are in their space now. Like a majority of people, I don't think they're like, Oh, I don't want to see like the, the, the neighborhood come to the church or I don't, I don't want to see other people come to the church. I think it's just like, they haven't been given that that vision yet. Yeah, and I, I don't even think so. I, I don't even think it's division. Like, I think people de- desire it at most churches. I think the vision is at some churches is laid out, and I think at Cottage Grove it has been. I think the how to 
It's like, mm. what, what next? Like, what does that actually look like? Yeah. Because like, I think for you and I, like it can be as simple as, man, just go walk around the neighborhood and see who you meet. Build a relationship, say what's up, and then just keep, you know, just keep doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the part, and like you know, I literally, Luis was just talking to me about this when I interviewed him. In that, just that that fight between like structure and things being super organized yeah. versus like it just being free flowing is like having a mix of them both. Because if you want to just go meet people, like you can't be. There's no structured way to actually go do it. You just mm -hmm. have to go out and just see who you see, whoever God, pray, Lord, put, put somebody in my life right now who needs to know you. And it's like, God's going to be faithful. He's going to, I always say, yes, man, be careful what you pray. Cause God just might, just might do it. And you might just put that person in your life. But now you have a relationship, which relationships are always messy in some way or another, right? We, mm -hmm. we disappoint people, they disappoint us and we have to forgive and, um, love and through hard things and, and whatnot. So, um, what are what are some things that you think the church can continually do, and even specifically Cottage Grove, that we can continually be doing to to get better at, um, yeah, being a church that does love the nations, being a church that actually is, yeah, <laughs> that is a home for people who live right around here, as well as the people who drive in from other places. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it starts where you live immediately and where you work immediately, like, um know who your neighbors are, um, know who your coworkers are, like hang out with people who aren't going to church with you. Um, but also like, at least specifically for Drake neighborhood, like, dude, there's a basketball court over there. There's a tennis court. Like, I mean, just go outside, have fun. Uh, people will come outside and like, if there's like more than three people on the basketball court, people are seeing that walking by, like debating whether or not they're going to go hoop and they're going to go play basketball. And then that's how you get to know people. Mm. Um, that's how me and my cousin cousins were able to meet a lot of people here. Like we just went outside, we played basketball and we just met a ton of people. Mm. Um, and so like, just like literally just being a physical presence is that just changes a lot. That's like almost 90% of the work. Mm. The other 10% is like, all right, just like speaking to someone and yeah. Just being present. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a crazy story with, um, yeah, just the knowing your neighbors. So I went to this restaurant once that, um, someone at Cottage Grove had won this prize and it was like a pretty fancy restaurant over in, uh, Sherman Hills. Mm -hmm. And so we go there and the waitress is, um, she's from, uh, France. And so she has a French accent and whatnot and whatever. So I remembered her cause of that French accent and whatnot. Then probably, Three weeks, four weeks later, um, no, it was even later than that. It was probably two months later. Um, walk, no, I'm mowing the lawn, and there's this girl walking her dog, and I'm like, I don't forget faces. Like I'm just like that. I might forget someone's name, and I stop her, and I, and like this is kind of weird for her because I'm like, yo, I know, I know you, I know I've seen you, and she's like, ah, I don't know about that, and I was like, oh, you work at that restaurant, and she's like, yeah, I do work there. I'm like, man, remember I came, I told her a story or something that happened. She's like, that's right. And I'm like, yo, where do you live? And she literally is my neighbor. Like, so she lives like kitty corner to us. And so there's a single family home right beside us and a single family home behind us that we both know them. But then uh, kitty corner, it's a multifamily home. So it's like a home like ours, but it was turned into multiple apartments. So she has one of the apartments there. And it's like, bro, like, that's why you should know your neighbors because 
that's just crazy. Like you, you see someone at a restaurant and they live right beside you and you don't even know that they live right beside you. So it's not the whole like, man, going out and actually working to love your neighbors. Like all of us have to do it. It's something we all have to constantly work on because the way our society is set up is for us to kind of be siloed. Like you kind of just do your own thing in your own place. You get in your car, you drive in your car by yourself. Everything you do is set to be done like in, in solo, but it's like, a call for the Christian is like do life together, have community, know people, love them, and um, find ways to be in their life so you can show them how to be a disciple and how you've been discipled, and then you can make them a disciple and introduce them to the gospel. So I, yeah, yeah I love that you you pointed that out. That's good. That's good. What have been some for you just growing up? You know, you know, you know culturally to some some degree Sudanese, but like. You still were, were born here, and like you were still like raised here, and like so you you get a little bit of both, which is it creates its own challenges, right? Yeah, yeah. So what have been some of the challenges for you, just ethnically, culturally, working out and figuring out how this church thing goes? There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, I think like biggest thing. Uh, and I mean, yo, it's no secret. Time, time management, the Sudanese culture. <laughs> yo, Boof has. <laughs> when I'm telling you, we, it's like, it's not like we don't care, but it's just like, hey, you know, we're going to hang out anyways. Like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, coming into the to American context is like, Hey, let's meet up at like, I don't know, like dudes would be like, hey, let's meet up at one o'clock. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I show up like, you know, smooth, like 115, 120. Oh, no, it's, uh, stop lying. You show up at a smooth, like 145, 215. You, you playing. Oh, yeah. But yeah. And then they're like, bro, why are you so late? I'm like, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I mean, we're chilling, bro. Like, you know, mm. but I think that's like a big cultural thing. Um, and like, that's like, Something like I'm like balancing and like, all right, like one of my friends, he like, I mean, he took out his disrespect and he's like, bro, you're always late. Like, yeah, he was, he was in his fields and I was like, I don't know, it was that deep. Mm. Uh, so we had to have that conversation and like, um, for him, it was like, yeah, he saw it as a, yeah, just like a shot of disrespect and I just saw it as like a, I'm actually comfortable with you enough to like, I can be late. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But yeah, so like, you know, just like cashing things out like that. Yeah. Um, also, like, I mean, it seems like small and simple, but like, even eating times, like, I mean, I would eat dinner at like 10 p.m. Um, and call that good. But, you know, some friends are like, dude, like, that's supper is at five o'clock. Um, so, like, different things like that, where it's like, Small day-to-day stuff, but, like, big picture cultural context, like, um, yeah, just, like, value of, like, family over work and um, just, like, what you do for work um, versus, like, how that, like, how that impacts your family and the Sudanese culture, um, like, different things like that. Yeah, so the the time one is a huge one. That's a huge, like, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this for y'all just so you guys know. My man Boop was like thirty minutes late to this interview, and like and 
And this is the thing. I, I, I've known Boob long enough that it's like, it just is what it is. It's all good. I think this is where I struggle in. And this is where we don't tell people what our expectations are and it creates problems. I'm very free flowing with time when it's social gatherings, but when it's stuff with work and like business things, I'm much more. So if I interview, I'm like, yo, you need to be here on time, right? Because I'm mm -hmm. like, I got stuff to do. Like, we got to get this rolling. Yeah. But I've also learned, and this is the key with culture, right? I've learned with you, like, even as I was sitting here, I literally bought this book that's right here. I brought it because I figured you were probably going to be late. So I'm just like, yo, I'm just going to prepare for it. And it doesn't even have to be a big deal. Then I'm just like, I don't feel like, oh, I wasted this time and whatever. I'm just waiting. It's like, no, I'm just going to read a book. When he shows up, he comes and we're, we're good. We're going to knock this thing out. But I think being able to adjust what you say has to be this way, right? And that's one thing in America. It's like time is like it's gripped onto and there's a time to let it go. And I, I even see this a lot of times with connection groups where, you know, people want to just hang out after because they just have stuff they want to talk about. And connection group leaders are like, hey, he, he time to get out the house, bro. Like, is it, this, this group's done. They 8 o'clock hit. It's 8.01. Like, get out my house. 8.01? And, and like, yeah, you, yeah. 7.58, you can see them packing up, yep, you know? Like, yeah. um, but it's like, to someone who is in need, when you're like, and that's what I've realized even with connection groups. Like, if you come from that culture where even you operate like that, where you, you want to get people out right away, when I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to chill another 20 minutes if you want to talk can sit here and talk or you want to talk to someone else it's all good they're like dang they feel loved like they're like man this man he got four kids he 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 got a lot of stuff going on but he's yeah. still gonna open up his house and just you know so anyway man that's 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 really big man and um uh, uh i think have you felt the pressure and obviously you have it to some degree it's like to like yeah completely drop what makes you sudanese in order to fit in sometimes yeah yeah and it's, I mean, I feel like a lot of people who don't, like, have, like, American culture as, like, their primary culture, I feel like there is always an aspect of, like, I mean, we call it code switching. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's always an aspect of, like, all right, I'm going to drop this part of my culture for um, either a certain period of time or indefinitely uh, to just like conform to the majority culture. Mm. Um, so there's always an aspect of that. Um, you you got to talk a little bit more about code switching. Cause I, cause I think if you are like <clears throat> genuinely, if you're a white person and you haven't spent a lot of time, um, again, you don't really know someone who's from a different culture really well. You may not even know someone's code. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't even know because you're just like, Oh, I'm around this person. They're just, and like, mm -hmm. I, I've seen this happen and like, I'll, I'll never forget, man, after the justice series uh, on the mass incarceration, Someone from our church in the, the Q&A after they were like, well, I have a really good friend at work. And in my head, I'm like, chances are, if someone's your friend at work, they're probably code switching. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, like, you're probably not even like seeing, like if I went to them right now and asked them, are you 100% yourself at work? They'd probably say no. Mm -hmm. So just talk a little bit about the code switching. Yeah. Code switching is just like the way I heard it, or at least my favorite way of hearing it is like, it's a survival tactic. Uh, that you use in certain situations to to make yourself look more quote unquote appealing uh and so I mean that comes out in a, a bunch of different ways it's either like the way you talk the way um you dress um 
just like pretty much anything. Your your interview voice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how you doing, sir? Hey, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I think why it's so funny to me is like any person, like any minority, like as soon as like you, they just know, like that's just one something everybody connects on. They're just like, oh yeah, you go to an interview. Oh yeah, you completely, yep. you're a completely different person when you go on an interview for a job. You know, you just your whole your whole being, you just throw that all out and you're like, all right, yep, I'm going to yep. become this different person. And then slowly, once you get in the job, you start becoming who you really are. You're like, all right, I've been here like two years now. Time to start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You got to oh, completely change it. I needed that laugh this morning. Seriously. Wow. Dude, best example. I was, uh, I was at the I Wear Prayer Breakfast a couple months ago. And yeah, I was like, all right, typically I'm wearing some kind of Jordan, like, you walk into that place like you're dressed like you're dressed business casual. Like when you meet people, like firm handshake, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Like outside of that place, like that's not how I'm. That's not how I'm talking. That's not, not how I'm dressed. And um, yeah, it's just how it goes. You know, mm -hmm. that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um. So, what do you think then? Like, how does that? And that is kind of a church body example mm -hmm. with the prayer. Uh, meeting but even at cottage grove like what can churches do to allow people to just be who they are culturally i think actually seeking those people out like if someone is yeah i mean you kind of know like at least like one big way is like or one easy way is like the way someone is dressing um if you see someone who dresses like different than how you are used to dressing, like chances are like they're, yeah, they're not too worried about like, at least like the way they look. And so maybe just like approaching them and like actually having a, a genuine conversation with them. Um, Cause I think once that starts happening, like people do feel like more comfortable, like going into a space um, where they can feel like, all right, I don't have to code switch in this area. Uh, or maybe it's someone who, I mean, from a different culture, ethnicity, like, yeah, seeking them out, like having a genuine conversation, that's going to change a lot. And then um, getting to know them for who they are, like ask them about their family or what kind of music they like or, you know, different things like that. That's going to help break down that barrier uh, where they feel like they don't have to. And they might code switch with you for a while, um, but where they don't like have to like have this alternative hmm. culture. Hmm. So question I always end with, uh, what advice would you give to someone at Cottage Grove to get them off the bench and in the game, get them outside of the walls of the church and get them to be like, man, I'm, I'm going to jump into what God's called us to do and be on mission and truly go and make disciples around here. I think two things. Um, I think one is who's your king? If Jesus is truly your king, then you'll, I mean, you'll do anything for, for your king. Um, I think sometimes we don't see Jesus as our savior. I mean, we don't see Jesus as our king. We only see him as our savior. So we're not willing to take that extra step. Um, so Jesus is your king, like, number one. But then also, like, 
dude, God's given you gifts. Uh, he's given you a lot of gifts to to do his mission, do his work. And so, I mean, you could get bogged down on like, oh, this person can do this and this person can do that. Like, yeah. hey, that's cool. Praise God that they have that skill. They have that ability. Um, they have that gift. But dude, like God has gifted you. Uh, what are you going to do with the gift that God's given you? Like, it's it's a gift. Like, hey, bro, just go use it and see what God's going to do through it. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think, you know, I always go back to to First Corinthians twelve and just how the body operates, and we need every body part to play its role. Like the the knee can't say there's no use for the tongue, and the tongue can't say there's no use for the eye. That's craziness. Like we need every part. So even if you are you're listening to this and you feel like you're just a toenail, well, guess what? You still need a toenail. Yep. Like the toenail still it has a function. God gave us toenails for a, a, a reason. You're your heel, you have a heel for a reason you have like, and the thing is that's crazy about the body is you don't realize how important something is until that body part isn't functioning properly. So you hurt your knee. You might not think about your knee ever until your knee hurts. Mm -hmm. And then you can't think about nothing but the knee until your back hurts until, you know, your elbow hurts or whatever. So, um, yeah, whatever that role God has called you to step up and, and just be faithful to what he's given you. Um, yeah, bro, I appreciate you, man. It's been a long time coming to get you on this, man. I appreciate you giving me a good laugh. My soul, my soul is <laughs> yeah, filled. That was good. That yeah, was that, good. Was, yeah, that was real good, man. But yeah, for real, man. Thank you. And thanks for answering the call and hopping on staff and, and just, yeah, helping just carry the weight of Salt Company, man. Praise God, man. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, it's a blessing. Every burden just relax.